New Hope Bram, and those of you who are joining us online as we continue in our series here at New Hope Community Church called Rooted, A Season of Growth. You know, we're in this series because in the spring and summertime, it's when the roots of plants and trees grow the most. And my desire for us as Christ followers is to grow the most in spring and summer. You know, oftentimes we tend to drift or we tend to not be in God's word or in prayer or, or be in fellowship with other Christ followers as much when the weather changes. So my desire is just to encourage us to continue to grow our roots into Jesus. You know, the first week of this series, we talked about the root of love and how uh, Pastor Wendy just talked about how God loves us and he, he wants us to remain in his love, be rooted in his love. Last week, I talked about the importance for plants to be grounded, right? To be grounded in dirt, but they not only needed to be grounded, they had to grow their roots deep and how they do best when their roots grow in groups. They grow together. And as Christ followers, it's the same for us. We need to be grounded in our relationship with Jesus. We need to continue to grow our roots deep into him. And we need to do it with other roots, other people in groups, and grow with others. And today I want to look at our Colossians passage in Colossians chapter 2, and I want to look at the reality of the removal of roots in our life. You know, the reality is, is that root rot affects plants, just like it affects Christ followers. You know, last week I talked about giving my wife uh, some new pots and I planted some geraniums in them because she loves flowers and she put them out at the end of the dock. But man, after I planted those flowers, I watered them really good. And then I remember her telling me that, hey, the next day she watered them really good. Well, just a day ago, I went out to check the plants, see how they were doing, and they were sort of wilting. They were uh, turning white. And I was like, what's the deal? I just planted them. I just got them. And as I looked at them and I pulled them up, I realized that they were getting root rot. And root rot impacts plants. And it occurs when you water the plant way too much which we were doing. What happens is that the leaves become limp, the, the stems become super soft, and, and they become discolored. The root system on a plant is supposed to look white or tan, and the root systems on these plants looked reddish brown or like a, a dark brown, which is an identifier of root rot. And so the reality of root rot that is that it does affect plants, but it also affects Christ followers. Just as a plant can be saturated too much with water, so Christ followers can be saturated too much with the world's philosophy, its physical actions, or its focus on itself. When this happens, our faith becomes limp. Our walk with Jesus becomes soft. 
and our attitudes and our actions start to become discolored, I think. And so to deal with root rot, what needs to take place is you actually need to pull the plants out of the soil, wash the plants of the soil, and then you need to cut away those roots that have root rot. And depending on how many roots you cut away, you then need to cut back the leaves of the plant so the root system can supply what is needed for the plant. And it's a picture of our life when we follow Jesus. He comes into our lives and he cuts away the root rot in our lives. And so when it comes to root rot and the believer, what we need to realize, first of all, is Jesus does in our life the cutting of rotten roots. You know, this is what the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossian church in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. He says this to the believers. When you came to Christ... You were circumcised, but not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Now, we understand physical circumcision, the surgical removal of the foreskin of the male. You know, it's, it's a good thing that it happened uh, close after we were born, men, right? So we have, like, zero knowledge of the experience. Well, God used circumcision to identify his chosen people, the Jews, and also to use it as a reminder to them of God's special promises to them as a nation. So when a Jewish male was born... They were circumcised, being identified with God and also identified with God's promises. In the Old Testament, if a male Gentile wanted to become a Jew, regardless of his age, he needed to follow by being circumcised. I mean, it was a big decision if you were going to become a Jew, right? But what the Apostle Paul is saying here to us is when the Colossians desired to become Christians, accepting Jesus as their Savior, Jesus didn't require a physical circumcision, but instead he required and did himself a spiritual circumcision in their life. The cutting away, he says, of their sinful nature. He cut away their propensity their bend, their, their root system toward sin. This is the picture of what Jesus did in our lives when we accepted him as Savior and Lord. He came in and cut out the root rot in our life. The parts of our life that the world had saturated and rotted, affecting our physical, our mental, our relational, our emotional, and, and spiritual well-being, affecting our faith, our dependence on Jesus, and affecting our attitudes and our actions towards others. Jesus cut away this root rot, which was impacted by the saturation of sin in our life.
So in verse 11, it says, Jesus performed this. He did it. But what he performed was not just this cutting of rotten roots, but also then, secondly, the cultivating of robust roots in our lives. You know, when you take a plant and you cut the root rot out of the plant, you then replant it so that the healthy roots can become more robust and multiply. That is the goal. You desire and want this new root system. And that's what Paul is saying us to us next in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. You see, God, through Jesus, raised us up for the purpose of a new life, a new root system. When a person becomes a Christian, they usually undergo some radical life changes, right? When Jesus comes in, he first typically takes out those larger, obvious sins. I mean, when Jesus came into my life, the first obvious large sin that he took out of my life was my language, my foul language, my uh, words that were very hurtful to people. Literally, within the first six months of starting to follow Jesus, he told me, Bill, that has to go, and it has to go first. And within six months, my language and how I used words to hurt people began to change and be transformed. There was this new root system that was taking place. But then he moved on from there, and he said, listen, your cheating has to go, because literally through school, I cheated, all the way up through my senior year, into my senior year. And he said, listen, I gave you a brain. I have equipped you to learn, and you are going to learn and stop cheating. Matter of fact, I can remember uh, sitting in history class, and how tempted I was to look over at Mary Beth Ellenbach's paper and cheat off of it, but God was saying no. The Holy Spirit was like, zap, you know, no. No looking. Do it on your own. And it was amazing. I I passed that test. I actually got a B. And it was like literally the first time that I did something, not on my own, but it was this new root system that God was developing in me. You know, then he moved from there to my line and brought truthfulness into my life. And so, When we have this new root system, you know, Jesus comes in and he starts pulling out these bigger areas of our life. But oftentimes what happens then is that we stop pursuing these new roots, these healthy roots, and we don't pay as much attention to the less obvious areas of our lives. You know, it's sort of sad to say, but many believers... Uh, stop at the obvious areas of their life, right? I mean, we don't go on to invite Jesus to maybe point out and eliminate the, the littler sins that can 
clutter our lives and impact our lives. I mean, we tend to sometimes hold on to them or we just don't pay attention to them. You know, like gossip or coveting or selfishness or, you know, gluttony or racism or pride or maybe even our thought life. What do we think about? What do we think on? How do we think about certain people? So what Paul is saying to us here is says, hey, when Jesus raised us to a new life, it's a new life. It's a different life. It's a continual life. One that cultivates new roots, healthy roots, godly roots. Jesus literally wants to cut away our root rot and replant us to now be people who cultivate robust roots that produce physical and mental, relational, emotional, spiritual well-being. Roots that ultimately reflect him. Now the end result of the cutting away of our root rot and the cultivating of robust roots isn't so that we can walk around and be self-righteous. Oh, look at me, I've arrived, right? But so that we can enjoy a changed life, having our roots produce fruit that reflect him, that reflect Jesus. I like what the old preacher John Newton said. He said, I am not what I might be, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, as Christ followers, Jesus cuts out our root rot, and cultivates then robust roots in our life. And as we desire to grow, we need to continue to invite Jesus, the gardener, the grower of our root system in our life, to regularly evaluate, thirdly, the condition of our roots. The condition of our ruts. I like what John Flavel, an English Puritan pastor, stated. He said, It is easier to cry against 1,000 sins of others than to kill one of your own. And how true that is, and how we often look out to others and maybe what's wrong with their rut system instead of paying attention to our root system and continually inviting Jesus to look at the condition of our roots. And so that's why I love King David and what he wrote at the end of Psalm 139 where he invites God to evaluate the condition of his life, the condition of his roots, right? He writes this in Psalm 139, 23-24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. He's inviting God, the gardener, to review his root system to see if there's any root rot going on at this journey in his relationship in life with him. Because in reality, if we're living in a way that's offending God, we're living in a way that is offending men and women as well. And so as we look at the reality that Jesus comes into our lives and he cuts out the root rot, then he wants to cultivate robust roots that we need to continually allow him then to look at and evaluate the condition of our heart. And so I want you to just take a moment here. I want you to meditate, look on that verse, read it. And use it as a prayer to invite God to reveal to you any anxious thoughts, any offensive ways in you. And just confess it and give it over to him. Let's take a moment and do that. So as you're out working in your garden, working within your yard, as you're amidst your trees and your plants, I want you to be thinking about this series, about being rooted in Jesus, how this is an incredible season where we can have great growth in our lives, and how Jesus came into your life to get rid of the root rot, to cut it out, and how he desires to cultivate robust roots and how that happens when we continue to invite him to look at the condition of our heart, our roots. And so to close, I just want to share with you a life story about a new hoper who allowed Jesus to come in and to cut out the root rot in his life and to start to cultivate robust roots and how it's made all the difference in his life. Let's watch. So before Jesus, um, 
I grew up in the church. I was baptized as a child and went to Sunday school, went to confirmation. I was in church every week, uh, but it was more for my uh, family. That's just what we did, we went to church. Then I get married. We didn't uh, read the Bible together. We didn't pray together. Eventually I start a drinking, having a drink a day when I get home from work and then really went spiraled downhill. Eventually I have two failed marriages. I leave two women because I think I'm searching for um, fulfillment at that time, which now I know doesn't come through another person and it comes through God and the blessings there. But at that time, you know, without walking with Jesus, it wasn't happening. I lost my job, I eventually lost my house, and a cop noticed me, kind of passed out, and knocked on the window, took me to the hospital, because it was that bad. I was drinking every day, all day, uh, straight, hard liquor. Uh, God spoke to me and, and said, you can take the few dollars you have and go buy a bottle and have no what's next after that, or you can surrender to me and let's see what happens. So I came to Jesus that day and said, okay, I'm gonna surrender. I went from an everyday, all day drinker to having no cravings at all, ever. It was almost like a landing, a base to start from. I had 28 days or whatever of treatment. Having Jesus with me and reading the Bible every day and, and having group time with other people that could relate to the recovery process, God was working uh, with me for the first time, really. But really, it was men of God through this church, New Hope, that were accountability partners. I got involved in Hope Recovery and and I always, my friends were always female. And for the first time I had men of God in my life that I would call, that I would have lunch with, that I would have coffee with, that I would talk about issues with. That has helped me a lot too. But that's through God. I know it is, Every, everything that has happened uh, is because of God. It's. I couldn't do it. New Hope has really been <laughs> used by God.